All right, everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Martin's World podcast. Guys, uh, before I introduce today's uh, guest, I'd like to just quickly remind you that if you want to support the show, if you want to support the fight for cannabis legalization in Ireland, you can sign up to the patreon.com forward slash Martin's World, or you can also make a donation in the form of Bitcoin through the link found on martinsworld.ie. Um, all of the funds, guys, will be used to establish a cannabis activist hub here in Cork City, where we can bring together the cannabis community to, to socialise, but to organise ourselves and to be better represented in the fight for cannabis legalisation in Ireland. Um, legalisation is certainly uh, under uh, the horizon for us, guys, uh, so we need to make sure we, we get together so we can be better represented in the policies that are made um, that are basically going to govern our community. Um, so guys, uh, today's guest has uh, been on the show again before. Uh, his name is Philip Anthony Bevington, but uh, we're going to call him Tony for the uh, for for the show. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's eighty years of age, and uh, he was caught with twenty six cannabis plants. Um, he was growing those cannabis plants uh, illegally because of uh, a stage four terminal. Um, kidney disease that he was suffering with at the time um, but he's uh, since gotten a pres- private prescription now and has gotten access to cannabis illegally um, but he still can't grow his own plants and he's going to continue to fight for his right to be able to grow cannabis plants um, b- because he, he really enjoyed it and he, he believed that the, the oil he was producing was just as beneficial as the oil he was getting now and it came without the, the massive cost that his now private prescription comes with. Um, so guys, uh, without further ado, I give you uh, Tony Bevington. Philip Anthony Bevington, a man of many names. Uh, we're we're going to call you Tony for, for today. Is, is that okay? Yeah. Is that what you normally go by anyway, Tony? Yeah. I like Tony. Happy days. It's not yeah. too, not too posh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tony, well, welcome back. Uh, and thanks again for taking the, the time to, to come and uh, chat with me. Um, you, you were up in uh, court just to, to remind people, I suppose, uh, it was 26 plants uh, you were caught recently growing and you were growing uh, the plants to, to make oil um, to, to help with your stage four kidney disease. Um, so, so I suppose before we get into all that, how is your condition right now? How, how's health? How's life? Life's fine. Health's amazing. Excellent. The cannabis medicine's just proving quite amazing. I may have said it before, but it's allowed me to throw half my prescription meds away. Whoops, sorry. No, you're still, you're, I'm still here. Which I you? kind of eliminated myself for a moment there. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really impressed. Brilliant. Yeah, um, you, you were saying the last time that, um, like, you were originally using it like that just to help with the symptoms of pain, but you were hoping that with the cannabis and a better lifestyle, I suppose you were improving uh, your own blood markers and uh, you, you were seeing that in your own test results. Has that trend continued? Yeah, I'm virtually back up to normal. Really? That is yeah, amazing. Yeah. I, I'm up, up to 40. Well, I, I could go, I'll head for 50 now. Yeah. The higher I go, the better it is. Yeah, no, that's brilliant to hear. Uh, well done, like, because, uh, you know, some other people out there would have just kind of taken the diagnosis and uh, went away. But like, no, you kind of, you're stubborn and uh, you were insistent that no, cannabis is my medicine and I'm going to make sure I t- do, do the best I can to take care of uh of your human body like uh so so well done for for being so uh resilient and standing up to, to these bloody stupid oppressive laws that deny people 
access to their medicine. I'm just packing up a, a little vaporizer ball here as well, just in case I, I look a bit distracted. <laughs> Not just denies people their medicine, but denies people a freedom of choice for their own recreation. Yeah. Um, we know that alcohol and tobacco are bloody dangerous, but uh, yeah, they you know really that are. cannabis has never killed anyone. So it's a, it's a huge hypocrisy. No, it, it is. It's, it's a real travesty to, to our society for, for us to be denied so long. Um, not only access to it, the, the benefit from it, but access to it to, to research it so we can better understand um, why it is uh, helping people like yourself and, and how it helps people um, like yourself, uh, the, the, the many kids out there w that suffer with epilepsy. We, we hear so many stories of uh, all the different people who benefit from it. And we don't truly understand it yet, uh, and mainly because of the, the prohibition and the stigma created uh, around the propaganda that was spread um, to, to enforce the, the prohibition. Um, so, so for yourself, um, you had not one, but uh, two, two court appearances. Uh, oh, well, no, I've had three in all. Three in all. Oh, lovely. So um, I, I've seen you. They charged me with two up. crops, you see. That was the problem. If I'd done the f one crop only and then accepted being caught instead of growing the second one i just ended up with a caution right. because they came to caution me and said well what's the situation now and i said well i'm growing again because i need my medicine and that really pissed them off and i'm seen as a revolutionary by the cps and they were determined to make an example of me okay and that's what they tried to do, really. They tried to quench the yeah, flames it, inside it, you. It hit passion. an interesting point because of the way I've behaved. Yeah. Coming out and being counted. It embarrassed them. And I I had a thing on the from the court. Um, it says. The Crown Court was of the opinion that punishment was not expedient which means that it wasn't what it should have been. Mm -hmm. um, the way I read it is we've given this poor, sick old man out of the kindness of our hearts the smallest sentence we can. Mm -hmm. But the truth being that they wanted to avoid the political fallout that would come with it. Of course. Like, imagine if you, they had to put you into <laughs> prison. Like, there would have been tremendous support out there, I'd imagine, but behind that, because uh, nobody wanted to see yourself be put in behind bars for... We're growing a bloody plant at the end of the day for your own personal use to for, for a real Theoretically, according to the guidelines, I could have had 28 years because two crops, yeah. 14 years a crop, I could have oh. maximized and it and gone for been, 28 years. What I would have loved to have seen, actually, if, if you did get hauled off to prison and you were behind bears, uh, you now hold a prescription, private prescription for, for medical cannabis. Um, I wonder, would they have still honoured that prescription? They have to, by law. Bears? Yeah, they would have had to. So you'd be yeah. locked up for cannabis and meanwhile you'd be in there uh, maybe hooting away on your, your own medicine. I'd have been um, quite popular, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine so. Like the guys next to your cell would have been very happy <laughs> trying to get that secondhand high. <laughs> um, no, that, that would have been quite interesting to see how that would have played out. But look, I, I'm really happy that it didn't end up with yourself having to, to go to prison. Um, but still, nonetheless, they, they gave you a, a two-year suspended sentence. Is, is that right? Are you have a two-year suspended two sentence? Two years suspended. So I've got to be a good boy for two years. Two years. So no more growing your own medicine. <laughs> I don't need to now. Yeah, but 
I do miss it because it's an amazing, wonderful plant and it's not just therapeutic. It relaxes you getting in the grow room. And does, I had a deck chair up there. I used to sit down with a book and read uh, for a couple of hours. Geez, I have a friend, actually, he suffers with uh, he's bipolar, but uh, he, him, he's, himself, uh, he benefits tremendously from cannabis. And uh, he was growing it for uh, about eight years. But him like yourself, no, he, he used to go in there uh, in the evening time, sit down on, on a chair, open up the tent and uh, read his book for, for hours, just until nearly the, the, the light cycle went out again. Um, and he used to love it. He used to be reading his book. He said he used to be some days reading the book to the plants. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, but, but the guy, he suffers with bipolar. And uh, he said just that just that aspect, spending time do, doing something with his hands, working, making a produce like uh like he, he really liked that aspect of it, but he, he got raided and uh, he, he found himself in front of the judge. It got thrown out, actually. Uh, well, yeah, it got thrown out because uh, how he got raided was the fire brigade came because he lives in an apartment complex. There was a faulty fire alarm and the, the fire alarm was for the landing area, which was communal. Um, so the fire brigade broke down his door because he was at mass that morning. It was at like seven o'clock, uh, half seven in the morning, the, the alarm went off. Fire brigade came. He was at mass, so they kicked in his door, thinking, "Oh, he might be passed out inside." Yeah, there was no evidence of fire. There was no alarm going off in his property, um, and there was no smoke or anything like that coming out. So they shouldn't have really done it. They should have just looked. It was a faulty alarm and went away. But they bust in his door, and they found these plants inside there, and uh, they rang the guards. The guards never got a warrant, um, so the case got thrown out on on that grounds. Um, but he's terrified now to, to grow again in his uh, in his property anymore because of that. And uh, he, he misses it much like yourself now, even though you benefit from having the prescription. He doesn't have that hair, sadly, um, but he really misses that aspect. And I was actually only just chatting with um, Gary Eudes uh, from, from Blown. Oh, God, Gary's so, great. Yeah, he, send, uh, he said uh, to send his regards to you, say hello. Um, but, but he was talking just on that aspect as well, the, the passion of the grower and the hobby that, that is there and the, the end product that comes out then at the end of that uh, as a result of so much care and passion going into it. Like, um, because it is a great hobby, it really is. It's something I miss myself. I was growing before and uh, I had to stop because of my activism as well. Just don't want to be locked up too soon. <laughs> don't want to give them uh, anything to lock me up for. Um, so I've thankfully been taken under the wing of, uh, of another buddy who does a bit of growing and uh, he looks out for me. So uh, he makes sure he keeps his head below the radar than in doing that. <laughs> you know, it isn't just me and it isn't just those 40 kids who need it. But there's 1.4 million ill people in the UK who are having to do what I had to do. That's right. And break the law, grow their own. And they're all facing similar aspects to me. And it's so unfair. And the government grow it, export it, <laughs> but deny it to us. I just don't understand. No, I, I realized when I opened the gate, the first bus to my to the policeman, I have great faith in human beings being compassionate and humane. So Sam. I got none of that from them. And it's taught me a very salutary lesson. Yeah, I, I've expected that as well. Like I, I've engaged in conversations with guards and authorities, judges even, and you would expect to try to get through to that human, but like, geez, they have a thick shell that they put on and uh, they really, really take their, their job serious. And the, the human aspect of them is, is left at home for their, their wife and kids and family. But when they go to their to their job, to their workplace, uh, by being a cop or a judge 
they, they, they can really turn into to robots uh, up there. I, I'm just doing my job is kind of what, what they pawn it off as. But really, if they were to do their job and, and like, say, the cops, they take a note over here anyway in Ireland, uh, our, our cops, the, the Gardaí, they take a note to protect and serve the public. But if they were really to, to stand by that oath, they, they would be kind of challenging the, the prohibition, which puts our society and our public, uh, our communities uh, at such grave risk uh, from like the, these drug gangs that uh, build up massive empires because of the power that the money they make from the drug dealing enables them, you know, um, like some of the gangs here in Ireland, they, they have Gardaí on their payroll because they, they can afford to essentially. Um, but, but when they're not speaking out against this, I, I don't think they're, they're really standing by their oath. Like when, when they're coming raiding somebody or, like yourself, like I wonder how like, those authorities you spoke to that day, while they didn't show any human aspect to yourself, like when, when they, they go off that uniform and they go home, like I wonder, does it sink in then? Like when they're trying to sit down, have their dinner with their family, like and they're just thinking maybe, maybe like uh, their own dad, like they're thinking, geez, my dad there, he has this condition and he could have benefited from cannabis. Geez, what would have been like if that was my dad I was arresting? You know, because... Like, that is it at the end of the day, like when, when they're coming arresting somebody for what it is, a health condition and poor government policies. Um, it's got to take its toll um, right across the board, even on the, the authorities who have to enforce it, surely. Oh, they don't, I don't think so, I'm afraid. Um, th- this no. policeman particularly, I'm looking forward to bumping him into, the, into him in the street yeah. and uh, confronting him. Yeah, because you had a bit of an issue there where it was it this particular policeman was like showing up at your, your house, kind of keeping an eye on you almost. Uh, is that the same? Yeah, and threatening me, but yeah. I made an official complaint and huh, predictably he was exonerated. No, I wasn't on duty that day. It couldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, so I just had to let that drop. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but but you kind of lost a bit of sleep over at that time. I can remember you were very stressed out. Oh, over. it really freaked me out. Yeah, and that that's that's wrong. Like because at the end of the day, the the police are supposed to protect you. You shouldn't be afraid of them. You shouldn't be having nightmares of them and ending up being so stressed out that your your bloody symptoms uh, kind of get exacerbated a bit. Uh, I've put a machine gun up in my bedroom window now. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, an actual real one or just a toy gun. Yeah, that's the bastard. <laughs> right, job. Yeah, I'll keep him away. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. So, um, yourself, I suppose you're you're behaving anyway, and you're staying of uh, good order. But I, I seen in your uh, recent Facebook post that uh, kind of that you're committed now to the to the fight for cannabis uh, to be decriminalised and, and to be regulated. I suppose. Uh, is that right? So you're, you're going to stay. Oh, I'm 10 times more yes. in determined yeah. to go ahead now. Um, I've learned a lot with this last 14 months. I've learned a lot about the law and the way it operates and the ignorance. So I think education's top of the list. Educate the population. Yeah. I have various plans, which until unlockdown comes, we I can't put into fruition, but when that happens, I want to tour the UK, getting people to have meetings to which I can go and talk. Brilliant. And try and raise the public profile because the government, if there's a huge public profile in favour, 
the government are going to be less and less certain of their position and more and more inclined to be lenient, climb down, change the law, you know. Yeah. Well, with so much going on over in the UK at the moment, you have the, the private prescriptions, first of all. Then you have you have kids getting access through the NHS, although there's only one or two uh, that I'm aware of at the moment that have gotten access. Um, but you also have then activists like uh, Gary Hughes, and I know he doesn't really describe himself as an activist, but he's oh, been, he is. Yeah, I, I, he is very much like, uh, but he tries to say he's not. Um, but he, he's going to be opening up the, the chilling rooms and he reckons that's going to get rubber stamped, uh, kind of approved. And you've also got the can card going on over there, too, which is kind of like an amnesty almost given to patients who can't afford the private prescription. So you've so much there going on that it's, it's really it begs the question. Like the question is, why aren't the policymakers doing something to proper protect people down there? Like uh, allowing for, I don't know, certified labs where growers can go bring their 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 produce to, to have it tested for X, Y and Z, you know, something along those lines for, for the establishment of like what, what Gary is doing now, which is the chilling rooms um, to support these kind of groups, this kind of a movement. Um, I just don't understand why, why they're not, uh, given everything that's actually happening, um, that the war on drugs is, it's last really like. I, 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 I can't help but be political. My suspicion is, especially in light of the fact that just recently, very recently, the British government opened the stock market to cannabis investors. Mm -hmm. What I suspect is happening is the government are keeping us at arm's length and controlling us until they're in a position to step in, regulate it, and provide yeah. all the people they need to fill the market. Yeah, because it wouldn't be in their interest to, to have people really being able to grow and set up these little community collectives, um, because if that happens, then they're able to get these products at an affordable price, and they wouldn't really give in to the, the kind of the corporate side of things that 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 seems to be coming in where they, they want to keep the medicines incredibly privatized um only gotten through like well they're capitalists like, well ex exa exactly yeah a capitalist but i i, I money I, rules i'm a humanist <laughs> if somebody needs care and compassion like uh like that should come first profits and all that like that that's down the line that that's not to be worried about really um so i've been exploring cooperative growing mm -hmm. because if you get enough people together you can afford a license if you can afford a license and the initial running costs there's no reason why a cooperative couldn't grow as well as gw pharmaceuticals yeah i, I think the cooperatives would be much better geared for it because uh, a cooperative set up with as a non-profit kind of cooperative where basically it's, it's about the patience and quality of product and uh, like profit again doesn't come into it at all um so therefore the patients will get a, a high quality product at an affordable cost um that i think that's the, the best model like myself now I, i've just graduated uh well two years ago now graduated from horrible science and uh, I, i'm doing a master's uh, in bioanalytical chemistry um at the moment so i hope to be graduated that in august um but like I would love to be able to give my time and I, I have no interest in making 100,000 to 300,000 excess. Like if, if I was to make a wage that allows me to keep a roof over my head and food in the, in the, the fridge, like in the cupboards, I, I'd be quite happy at that point. Um, and, and knowing then that the, the work I'm doing has a, a tremendous benefit to the people say like yourself, uh, if I was able to get into, I don't know, the research side of it or the clinical side of it or the analytical side, because I'm, I'm, I'm knowledgeable to, to get into either of these things if an industry was to be set up. 
but I, I wouldn't want to be doing it in the, the interest of profit or, or to be making a business for myself. It'd be about the people like yourself, the patients, the community, and getting it out there, an affordable product to them. So like, I, I'm, I'm very much against this kind of capitalist mindset, like, oh, where they, they want to keep it basically like a monopoly almost, like for, for the, the big boys clubs, the elitists, uh, the boys with the money. People with the money now will just make more money. Yeah. And that sucks. And it really does suck, yeah. Because we, we've tremendous people, like Gary talks there, uh, and again, I keep mentioning Gary because I was only just talking. If he about. opens his uh, chilling room, yeah, I'll, I'll open one in Cornwall as well. Brilliant, yeah, excellent. Well, if he opens it before 4.20, uh, let, let's maybe try to make a date <laughs> and we'll meet over there, all three of us, and have a good old uh, session and, and chat. Uh, I'd love that because uh, I promised him as soon as he opens the door, I'll certainly hop in the car and get the ferry straight over. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be up for that. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Brexit and we might have to get a visa. <laughs> it's interesting. On my uh, court form, it says... Um, I was prosecuted for cultivating cannabis plant, a class B controlled drug. Well, it isn't. It's a schedule one class B controlled drug. So I'm now wondering whether there's a class two, a class three and a class two and three A and B, in which case I might have a ground for uh, an appeal. Okay. Yeah. And interesting. So, so there, it's a class B drug, as they said, is it? Mm. It is a class B drug, but a class B under Schedule 1. Yeah. And there's a Schedule 2 and a Schedule 3. That's I've right, yet yeah. to do but some they, research and find out. They just had a class B and they never gave you the schedule, is it? No, they didn't. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so you might be able to appeal it on, on that grounds and get your suspended sentence done away with then. And of course, I paid £21 victim surcharge. And who's your victim? Does Me. that come back to you? <laughs> <laughs> Did it post the back out <laughs> Bloody cheek. And I haven't paid it yet. Bugger them. They can wait. Uh, I always find that interesting. I cover like stories from the UK courts uh, where people are getting done. And I always find that interesting in the cannabis cases when there's a victim surcharge. And I'm just like, who's the victim? Who's getting this fucking money? Where's it going? Because uh, there's no victim really. Like your cannabis. Apparently fund. the money goes to the queen. Like, oh, someone the queen. suggested I write and ask for my money back. You should actually be interested to reply <laughs> She might invite you up for a cup of tea or, or whatever. No, no, I, I'm not a royalist. I don't approve of the royal family at all. <laughs> <laughs> but still, if she's got your money, like uh, it's, it's worth a visit like to get it back. <laughs> I would probably pop them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bring down some hemp teeth or, or, or you know, on a nice uh, tincture. Oh, what a good idea. Yeah, maybe that's worth it. I've got some really nice CBD tea at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So it's, it's delicious. Uh, it's so nice. Very, very nice. Uh, no, it's, uh, there, there's a tremendous offering out there of, uh, of products at the moment. And, and, and I'm hearing a lot about uh, CBG at the moment as well. It seems like the CBG is making a bit of uh, an emergence there as another one of these kind of wonder compounds with, within the cannabis plant. But again, like it's 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 whole plant where it's at. It's it, there's no single compound in there. It's the whole plant is what we need. Full spectrum. Um, yeah, it, uh, it, it'll be all the, this CBG and CB whatever defeats me. I'm not that sort of a person. I'm much more interested in making a fight for people's freedom of choice. Yeah, I, I think it's just all marketing, really. And a lot of the times, it's people who aren't willing to talk about cannabis and and cannabis plant extracts and they just want to talk about oh no i'm just talking about cbd oh i'm not talking about this narcotic drug i'm talking about cbd or i'm talking about cbg 
and it's like a scapegoat it's almost like gives them this kind of uh I don't know the safe space almost where it, like you know and I, I I don't really respect that a lot like if, if you're going to talk about like cannabis if you're going to talk about CBD you need to mention cannabis and talk about full spectrum CBD you have to talk about cannabis full spectrum you have to address the prohibition I hate anybody who tries to sell CBD products but doesn't mention the fact that prohibition is like such a hindrance on the, the industry and stuff like that I, I just can't respect those uh, those people within the industry who aren't speaking out against the prohibition it's just like, you know, come on. And I, I'm more to allow people to smoke it recreationally as well. I, I, yeah, I think yeah, you should yeah. only inhibit that sort of thing if it's dangerous to health yeah, I, I or think... it harms someone else. And in neither instance does it. So I can't see the point. I, I would take a different stance over heroin and cocaine, maybe. But yeah. even well, if would... they were regulated... Would you agree You're, with the criminalization of those drug users, though? Well, yeah, I think a health and science approach rather than a draconian approach. Exactly, yeah. Um, which I, governments have loved for the last hundred years. I've, I've certainly reflected on something there lately, and it was after listening to a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan and, and uh, Professor... Oh, no, you, yeah, I listened to him an awful lot. Like, but Professor Carl Hart uh, was on recently, and he talked about it, and it was it just got me thinking about things, because uh, Carl Hart, uh, he talked about the fact that uh, heroin was his uh, drug of choice, and he likes to, to snort it some evenings, uh, and like he, he, he just went down about it and he really normalized it in a certain way. And it just really got me thinking about like when we're having conversations about decriminalizing cannabis or legalizing cannabis, a lot of the times ourselves as campaigners, we can be very stigmatic actually towards other drug users. Do you know when we're talking about cannabis and say cocaine or heroin might come up and say, oh, no, no, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about that. But actually, we, we, that's actually kind of stigmatic because uh, we're allowing the stigma and those Community, that that those drug users uh, be kind of cemented in our own minds to 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 get to the point where no, we don't even want to talk about them because I, I think that's like disingenuous. I think we all need to, as campaigners for the legalization of cannabis, need to, the the widening the, the scope of our conversations to say, hey, just the prohibition of drug use in, in general, it's 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 detrimental to our society. Drugs don't ruin communities. It's prohibition of drugs actually ruins communities because prohibition of drugs puts it into the hands of drug dealers. And it enables like the, the building up of like these empires where people addicted then to the drugs are out of the hands of the services. Like it's, it's a complete mess and it's, it's prohibition, like just the prohibition of drugs in general. I think that needs to be abolished. And I think in myself, I think I, I, I just have got to the point where I'm not going to allow that stigma myself uh, to be kind of put across uh, from myself. Um, I'm always going to say like uh, we need to legalize or, or decriminalize cannabis, but also we need to decriminalize all drug users. Um, because drug users are not bad people. There's good people who use drugs. It, it, the drug, drug use shouldn't make you a criminal at, at all. Um, so Have you I seen Joe Rogan talking to that guy about mushrooms? Uh, Paul Stamets? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I've watched uh, all those and I've watched Paul. Uh, that was so good. Really amazing. Yeah, really opened my mind as well. Uh, I, yeah. Paul Stamets... Uh, He's amazing. I tried to set up my own mushroom company, actually, after being really inspired by Paul Stamets. Um, it was the super fungi is what I was calling it. I was looking to sell lion's mane, cordyceps and stuff like that. Might, might even get back into it because there's certainly a market uh, out there for it. Um, but mushrooms, like even the, the psychedelic ones, again, when we go back to it, the prohibition of drugs, let's say, and you look at the list of drugs that they prohibit. When you look at things like cannabis, 
psilocybin mushrooms, then you've other kind of plants that fall in there, like the ones that are used for ayahuasca um, that contain DMT, that they're all prohibited. And these are amazing tools for, for humans that we've used, like ayahuasca, there's recorded use for over 5,000 years, I, I believe. Mushrooms, I think they go back over 500 years in kind of recorded use. And uh, pro the prohibition of them was only, what, 30, 40, 50 years old, 60 years old, like the prohibition of these substances. We've been denied access to tools that we've evolved alongside of all along that, that have possibly been the, the root of... Uh, the, the setting up of certain religions, you know, like uh, I, I don't know if you've read the the book, uh, the Sacred Mushroom and the Cross by um, Jesus. No, I haven't. Allegro. Oh, well, he talks about it that basically Christianity was set up off the back of a mushroom cult. If if you look at like uh, within like uh, certain some symbols uh, within kind of the Christian uh, religion, there's a lot of uh, representations of mushrooms. Um, so, so one representation of the mushroom, which is the halo around the head of these people who are like saints or, or what have you, um, you see it a lot in the stained glass kind of windows, they'd have a little halo around their head almost. Well, actually, what, what he's kind of saying is that halo represents the, the spore print of uh, the mushroom. The, the spore print of the mushroom is kind of like these people are enlightened. <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> That's what's represented by this. And uh, oh, it's, it's, it's a very good book, actually. It really, I should look at church book. windows totally differently now, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, but but again, like, even the stories within religions, like, uh, like when people are seeing angels and demons and stuff, like, these are altered states of consciousness. How do you achieve these altered states of consciousness if it's not with psychedelics? Do you know, there, there's breathing techniques and stuff, like, but but also, there's might, might be getting a bump, a very hard bump to the head. But really, when you read the biblical stories, like these are people are experiencing these altered states of consciousness. And, and I believe, too, I agree with the book that, that it was with the use of these kind of psychedelics. And then you look at like Professor Strassman when, when he talked about uh, the DMT studies, these people who done the studies, it's probably up there with the top three most profound experiences of their, their lives. And uh, they, they talk about communing with god almost like kind of you know atheists coming out of it with like okay i'm i'm, I'm almost no longer an atheist they're, they're becoming agnostics i suppose would be the more correct term then from uh, after that um but but, but like tremendous stuff like the, these tools and they're all denied to us much like cannabis um, in my 30s you know. i took lsd okay. and that, <laughs> that, that changed me a lot <laughs> Um, but I didn't have religious experiences. I just had very pleasurable experiences. Mm. Um, but it made me think inside my head. Um, when I was in the Pacific working, I used to chew a narcotic nut called buai or betel nut. Okay. And that was quite interesting too. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. I, I, I don't know of uh, this nut, no, so I'm not too sure how it works. In India, it's a nut and you break open the nut, chew it. Yeah. And you add the leaf of a pepper plant along with a little dash of lime and your ah. spit turns incredibly bright red. <laughs> you spit like hell. But when I did it, I'd come out in a sweat right across my forehead. And yeah. then I'd go teach in class. <laughs> OK, so, so what were the, the effects like? Was it kind of sedating or was it? Very sedating, yeah. Sedating and relaxing. Uh, and you would hallucinate a wee bit. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. But everybody did it in Papua New Guinea, even the little kids. No, even the little kids. Interesting. Yeah, I've seen two-year-olds chewing it. 
Okay, yeah. So and obviously it's it's not dangerous. So if 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 that's the case, well, they say it can give you cancer of the throat. It's just another drug. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they they try they, everything gives you cancer really when when you look at it uh, hard enough. <laughs> um, that that's yeah. interesting. All right. So so just go back to to your LSD experience. Well, like I, I've had, I can count on my one hand uh, the number of LSD. I think it's three times now I've taken LSD myself. But the way in which it opens up your mind uh, to the way of thinking, because um, I, I didn't really have uh, a religious experience. Uh, I, I tried DMT and I can certainly say with DMT, there was this like religious kind of almost aspect to it. Uh, ancient. I don't know. It was uh, it was very out there, um, but it was very like comforting. It was, I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't feel threatened at all by it the first time. But uh, what I came back from the DMT trip it was with uh, a sense of um, acceptance with debt. I no longer kind of like feared debt um, because I used to suffer with like nighttime anxiety, insomnia, um, because of the thought of afterlife. I used to always be wondering the question, you know, if we turn off TV, um, is that what it's like when you die? It's just like turning well, off we'll TV. all find out one day. Why worry yeah, exactly. about it? Exactly. Yeah, no, but, but for me, when I done the DMT, it kind of came back with like, Oh, there's something you can't understand it, so don't worry about it. Like, like you've just said there, but DMT kind of gave me that. But with LSD, actually, I, I didn't get that, but I got an open like the, the way in which it opened your mind and engaged uh, to, to think with different things. Now, in fairness, I, I was sitting watching the, the Pink Floyd at the wall now for one. Oh, oh, great, yes, I've done that too. <laughs> excellent, excellent, <laughs> delighted to hear. Um, so like. It takes you on a journey and it just it enables you to think in a way you can't sober. And it's very enlightening. Um, and my buddy said it best, actually, that the morning after that night, uh, he said, uh, it's, it's like pressing the reset button or the refresh button, you know, where you clear all the cookies off your browser and now things are just working better. He goes, uh, he goes, I feel like I'm young again, like being a kid where, where everything is amazing. He goes, like, looking at this tree right now is like, this tree looks amazing, he said, you know. And we were sober at this time, but the residual effect was carrying on. Like, and even talking to him a week or two later, he's like, yeah, I'm still in a very happy place after that one LSD experience. Well, so, I've had about 10. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, um, in your lifetime. All within a quite a short space of time. Okay. When I had a farm in Cornwall. And nice. on one occasion, I was three o'clock in the morning. I'm well out of it and I had to go up the field and check a cow that was carving and I lay down in the grass and I remember the dewdrops were so beautiful oh. and I put my hand up inside the cow to my shoulder <laughs> and the cow flicked my hand inside the cow and it, that was freaky I said, oh god this is so oh, wonderful that is a story like I like deep into kind of like how deep into the trippy LSD are we almost at the at the end of it at that stage I just can't imagine that that, that, that must be tremendous like because you're basically assisting with, with the deliverance of life into the world and what that must mean and what you must be thinking like uh like you must be really connecting with the cow <laughs> yeah well I've delivered 200 babies in my lifetime <laughs> But, but like, how many of them did you do on LSD? <laughs> none, none. <laughs> only, only animals, calves, and things like that. Okay. But it never changed me that much. I, I, I think that from a very young age, I've had my consciousness has been cracked open, mm. and the LSD took it open much more. Okay. Yeah. 
That's interesting. All right. Yeah, that, that, that certainly is uh, interesting because uh, maybe the, the, there's something there to that. Uh, that there's, uh, is, I can't remember where exactly in Mexico, but there's like a coming of age ritual, even in the, the village where young people get to take part in psilocybin mushrooms, where it, it enables them just to, to find respect for their community and things like that, that it has its place there. Um, I wonder, like, again, similar to LSD, like psilocybin, um, how, how beneficial that would be to the, to the many kids out there. Like uh, in Ireland at the moment, um, we've seen a, an over 500% increase in the prescription of antipsychotic drugs to kids. Like, I wonder what would happen if we had psychedelic assisted therapies where <laughs> a child could come into a room like here's a mushroom tea here, no, they here's wouldn't want it it, here's it would open drugs. the kids minds up too much and that that's no. part of the problem with drugs we are a subculture outside the norms of society and we're therefore seen as a threat we don't conform and they don't that like that that wasn't always the case though when you look back at it like even within certain societies certain cultures as i said the ayahuasca one that that survived for over five thousand years um within the amazon uh, jungle and uh, or the, the amazon rainforest and um like that that's a testament really to the benefit that this brew had for that tribe that they, they, they carried it on for for so long and it's such a, a well-held place within their community, you know, to be the shaman, the, the deliverer of the, the, the brew to the community. Um, and people now from all over the world are, are seeking it out. Um, and we see then across the board a, a psychedelic renaissance going on where there's a re-emergence of these plants, these substances, brews that have been effectively robbed from us uh, over the last 80 years, 90 years in this war on drugs. Like, the, the war I've on I've done um, tribal initiation and puberty rites in Papua New Guinea. Uh, Tell me a bit about that. Well, there's me and 200 black guys naked in a river in the mountains. Right. And they're beating me with stinging nettles and shoving arrows down my throat to make me sick. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> when they finished, they said, well, you're a man now. And yeah. I said, hey, I'm 50 years old. I've been a man a long time. <laughs> they, their standards. <laughs> that is the puberty initiation rights between young man and adult. Yeah. In um, somewhere, I can't remember now where exactly it is, but uh, Ayaboga uh, is a root of a, of a plant. Ibogaine is the kind of the compound within it responsible for the, uh, to the effects of it. But they also use it there. Uh, I, I think it might actually be even in, is it in the... Anyhow, in, in somewhere in Africa, the guys were using this as a, as a coming of age uh, kind of a ritual where they would drink this brew of the, the Ibogaine and they would uh, kind of observe the way in which the person behaved because it would send them into like a, an almost a, a 24 to 38 hour, 36 hour um, hallucination. And uh, what they were using it for is that to find out if they could trust this person on a hunt. Um, because you don't want a guy on a hunt who's going to freak out and abandon the, the group <laughs> if a guy shows up. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to have a, a group that will stand together in order to kind of ensure the survivability of the group hunting to, to, to get the food back. Um, you don't want a guy who's going to peg it and leave the guys killed. <laughs> you know? um, but, but yeah, that, that's how they use it there uh, to kind of figure out who they can trust and who they can't. Well, all I found with my kids in Africa was that uh, they prove themselves men by getting a girl pregnant okay yeah it was quite 
a common occurrence. In fact, so much so that the education authorities had creches for the girls who got pregnant to put their babies so they could carry on in school, which I thought was really a sensible way to behave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly is. All right, definitely. Um, I suppose we've kind of got off a bit, uh, on a, a very big bit, bit of a tangent there. <laughs> um, but, but just to, to bring it all back uh, to, to yourself, um, you, you don't have any cases upcoming. So at the moment, all is clear. Brilliant. And uh, what, what is um, in the works for yourself then? Uh, what can we expect uh, once the restrictions uh, lower? Um, you're hoping to do talks with, with people around. Is that right? Yes, I'd like to, when lockdown unlocked, comes, I want to travel around the UK having people who set up meetings and I go to the meeting and maybe talk for half an hour my story and talk about cannabis and try and persuade ordinary members of the public that it isn't the demon that they think it is. Brilliant. Look uh, at me, so to speak. And um, will you be so, campaigning again uh, or fighting? For, I, I could for come to Northern or... Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get. I have to get you down to the Republic. I'm, I'm down in Cork, down the Republic. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. It's all Ireland to me, and it's so it, it should is, be. Uh, it's all one land. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you said that. Now, uh, <laughs> well, no, I don't I, want to fall out with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think anyone will fall out with you here because of this. No, it would definitely be a pleasure to, to get you down here. Um, I, I'm hoping to establish a bit of a, an activist hub here as well in Cork City. So it would definitely be a pleasure to get yourself down here to, to meet and speak with people as well. Um, would well, they cope I, with my accent? I, <laughs> yeah, no, I say so. Yeah, Is mine okay, actually? Because I, I, I was chatting with Gary there a while ago and I was wondering, he answered me once or twice and I was like, shit, did he understand my question? I was like, what's my accent too thick? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a Liverpudlian and... Yeah, that accent is interesting. It, it is a uh, scousers. No, uh, it, it's been good crack to, to catch up with yourself uh, today, Tony. Um, I, I look forward to when the restrictions do end and we can get back out there uh, campaigning in public. Uh, until then, I think we're, we're stuck bloody on, online. Um, is, is there any closing message, any kind of uh, shout outs that you want to give out there? I don't know. Um, that's a well. Obviously, I want people to support the legalisation of cannabis, but I want people to have a more open view of things. Mm. What I learned in my travels was you shouldn't judge people by how they live or what they look like, and we are all still too guilty of doing that. So. Just temper yeah. yourself with everybody else you mix with. Uh, I, I've had a few people slagging me off in England about what happened in court. I've been accused of being a coward and a chicken. And no, I don't. don't take I think they're just, they're just the disruptors at the outskirts. And I, I want to see them drawn into the fold and stop being so difficult and start to we all need to work en masse. Big time, yeah. No, I think you, you should definitely hold your held, head held high because um, what you've done is tremendous. Uh, you stood up to, to them, you, you went public with your story. M many people will kind of just be quiet, keep their heads down in order to kind of get, get the best outcome in court. Uh, they, they think that, but but no, what you've done is uh, certainly 
um, to, to be commended to, to speak up. It's it's no easy feat uh, to, to kind of campaign like this. And I know myself, it's a it's bloody tireless and sometimes thankless work, as you say. Like you know, so, some people there's there's just no pleasing them really. I'm going to get more heavily involved with WTU and seed our future. Excellent. I'm hoping to have those guys on, actually. We, the undersigned, and uh, seed our future. That's uh, Steve. I am now the press officer for WTU. Ah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I was just uh, chatting with Steve uh, Harrison there earlier. So um, himself and uh, Guy Coxell are going to come have a chat with me um, maybe later in the week. Uh, so I, I really do look forward to that. And it's great to hear now that you're involved with this. Like, yeah, it seems like the, the community is really uniting and, uh, and growing. Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, we need but, a million and a half, at least, to start to sway the government. They'll only react beneficially to us when the sufficient numbers of us making their life difficult. Yeah, no, definitely. United is where it's at. Like unity in the community is what we need yeah. um, in order to let our people grow. Um, but before I let you go, um, actually, there, there was one thing I wanted to ask as uh, your private prescription. Um, do, do you happen to have uh, it on hand? Um, did yeah, you it's right beside me. Excellent. Yeah, would I be able to, to get a look at it? Uh, oh, so this is uh, an oil form, is it? Yes. Um, 12.5% THC, 25% CBD. Okay, That's so it's a two to one. Enough for three months for me. Just that little bottle there. I have a mill in the morning and a mill at night, Excellent. and that's all I need. Brilliant. And, and uh, is that just a cigarette you're smoking there? So is a. It is a cigarette, but. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You don't get criminal behaviour anymore. <laughs> just to give you a laugh, Gary, um, Martin, um, on my local newspaper, someone said, "Oh, he looks like a garden gnome." <laughs> and it's really made my day. I think they intended it as an insult, but I've taken it as a, a compliment. No, I, I think you should look for a little uh, red hat now. That's all yeah, I need. I, I think you should look for somebody out there. And <laughs> I think it's a, a green hat with a, a cannabis leaf uh, and uh, yeah, maybe a cannabis plant actually in your hand, a little pot plant. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's a uh, shout out to anybody out there who can make that stuff, make that happen. And that could be a part of the campaign to help uh, weed the undersigned and see the future. Start selling your own little garden homes. I'll buy one anyway. I'll buy 10. <laughs> have you seen the video of Black Gripper? Um, I, I, I have actually. Yeah, I've seen some what of his an, stuff. What an amazing man. He's dead now, but I just... Yeah, that my, was unfortunate. Yeah. My heart went out to him. I really admired the guy for doing what he did. Yeah, he he done a lot of public stunts there with uh it, it was fake cannabis plant he was going around with like but it really it was really good. I thought it was real. No, I I'm pretty sure he had fake cannabis plants because that's why the the cops were laughing and not arresting him and, and stuff uh. like that. That's that's my understanding of it anyway. I don't think those plants were real because I was looking her up afterwards uh, and I I seen plants that uh, looked quite similar to it. They were like props, movie props almost. But still, nonetheless, oh, like it was, it was symbolic what he was doing. Like he was really just going up, challenging. Took courage. Yeah, took courage exactly. Balls. Um. So well done to him. Like and and even what he done in the uh, the London Eye, that was him as well, where they just went up and they they like fogged out the the boot in the in the London Eye. Um, a little small going into super drug. My drug's better than yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he done some tremendous stuff. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a big loss to the community actually. But he's passing. Uh, it was unfortunate. Uh, 
But uh, th- there's another guy out there as well. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, he's in Manchester, as uh, where I think he's based anyway. Um, Outlaw, Outlaw Ltd. Oh yeah, yeah. You've heard of that guy as well. He seems. Yeah, I've to... got his book, The Police. Oh, you so you got a book out? I wasn't aware yeah. of that actually. Um, no, I, I've been watching his uh, stuff there online on Instagram and stuff. He does uh, very good videos as well. It's very good publicity stunts. You know, it's very. It's good content that really gets people engaged watching. And if it carries a good message, you know, the message of, look, we're, we're doing nothing wrong. We need to challenge the law. Civil disobedience is where it's at. As you said, like uh, the, the government need to see um, something strong to, to, put, to push their hand, basically, to, to do something on this, because otherwise they're going to resist it for their own kind of capitalistic desires. So people like the outlaw, Black the Ripper, you know, rest in peace, uh, you know, they, they, they do a lot. And uh, I, I'm inspired by themselves and not only themselves, but Gary uh, and yourself, you know, um, it, it's great to, to see people out there in the public sphere speaking up and challenging the kind of the status quo and the, the government and the stuff um, because it really needs to, to be challenged. So well done. And it's uh, it's been a pleasure to, to chat with you. Thanks, uh, Martin. Yeah, th- no, it's not. Uh, thank you as well. Um, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, if, if people want to, f- to find you outside of here um, you, you have a Facebook group uh, Philip Anthony, Anthony, Bevington Anthony Bevington support group on Facebook but, but also then get in touch with we the underside because you're now their press officer too yeah excellent great stuff no I'm delighted there I look forward to chatting with you again I'm meeting up in person hopefully uh, sooner rather than later we're back in a bloody lockdown here until march 5th or something like that but hopefully that might change if the number well, i hear it could go on till july oh jeez, man that's that's <laughs> uh, i hope they don't cut off our internet because <laughs> i'll be last then <laughs> um, right. all right martin take care you too yeah enjoy the rest of your day and uh, thanks again for the chat oh delighted anytime cheers bye and there you go, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Philip Anthony Bevington. Um, again, uh, it, it was great to be able to report the fact that his court case is now over. Um, but it is horrible that he got a two-year suspended sentence um, for, for the act of uh, trying to grow his own medicine. Um, it's shameful that the, the government there aren't, uh, being, aren't the ones being held responsible um, because of their ne- negligible policies that have effectively seen so many patients left without access to cannabis medicines um, because of like the, the way in which they're forced to get it through these private prescriptions. Um, but look, it, it is good that it's over. And it's amazing now that uh, Tony is going to stay on as a campaigner for the right to, to grow uh, their own medicine and for cannabis to be legalised. Um, as he said in the interview there, he really enjoyed growing cannabis and I hope more people out there are inspired to, to grow their own and to dis, yeah, dissociate with the black market um, if you don't know who your uh, supplier is or who your grower is, that is. Um, so guys, uh, again, just to remind you, if you want to support the show, support the fight for cannabis legalization, you have the patreon.com forward slash martinsworld and you also have uh, bitcoins through the link uh, on martinsworld.e. So guys... Uh, Stay blessed and keep our lit. Peace.